0: Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org.
1: You put the questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny to any worldview, any of the major religious worldview, you will find only in the teaching of Jesus Christ that you find there is a correspondence to reality and a coherence to his answers.
0: Welcome back to Just Thinking with the RZIM team. College campuses are meant to be centers of critical inquiry, where students can continue to learn and grow. In an environment surrounded by so many differing opinions and worldviews, though, it can be difficult to know what's true and what isn't. Many students are asking how they can know that Christianity is right. Ravi Zacharias is joined by RZIM speaker Vince Vitale as they tackle this question, where they share four questions to ask when examining a worldview to determine its validity. Let's join them now. What reasons are there for believing in any deity if by nature we can't prove it exists? And more specifically, why do you believe that Christianity is the one that yeah, worships this deity correctly?
1: I could, do, I could go either way, uh, start out with either of them. Let me give you a quick quick take on the first part of it and the second take on the person of Christ. And by the way, it's a great question. I think it's the most defining question and probably the most important question you're ever gonna ask in life. More consequences for your life will follow from that than anything else. Three quick stages for the first question. No matter how you cut down physical concrete reality, no matter how you section it down, no quantity in this world explains its own existence. It has to ultimately go outside of itself to explain its existence. That's the first thing. Number two, wherever you see specified complexity, wherever you see design and uh, the whole purpose of organization, and hence uh, you've got the whole uh, expression of Frederick Hoyle that it would be like a tornado going through a junkyard and producing a jumbo 747 that if we are all demonstrably contingent and dependent and cannot explain our own existence, number two, wherever you see specified complexity, you always assume a designer. If I were to argue for you that a dictionary developed because of an explosion in a printing press, you would never buy that because of the complexity of it. So in our experience, we are contingent. We we have not caused ourselves in our experience we see design we always have to point to a designer and number three if you look at the very person and work of jesus christ and so let me take the last part of it as the most important point on why i believe jesus christ to be the only way when you take the four questions of life of origin meaning morality and destiny and put the two categories for truth correspondence and coherence and take the three tests for truth logical consistency, empirical adequacy, and experiential relevance. You've got one, two, three, all right? The fact of truth, the correspondence, coherent theories of truth, logical consistency, empirical adequacy, experiential relevance. You put the questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny to any worldview, any of the major religious worldview, you will find only in the teaching of Jesus Christ that you find there is a correspondence to reality and a coherence to his answers. I don't want to get into other worldviews here and try to put some of them down. But let me just take one simple explanation, for example, on the death of Jesus Christ and the cross. If you go to the Islamic worldview, they will answer your question on how you attain paradise. And the answer is your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds. That's classic Islamic doctrine. If you go to the Gita or the Mahabharata or the Hindu scriptures, and you ask them, how do you attain Nirvana? The answer is in the payment of your karma. You always have to pay. Whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, all pantheistic worldviews, one thing they all believe in is the karmic law of cyclical, every birth is a rebirth, and every birth pays for the previous one. When you go through that very issue, from whether it's Islam or whether it's a pantheistic worldview, and you come to the teaching of Jesus Christ and the centrality of the cross, both of those worldviews, all of those worldviews are ultimately looking for grace and forgiveness, but they're not offered. They're not offered. I wrote a book on an imaginary conversation between Krishna and Jesus and their new birth or rebirth. And if you read the Gita, for example, one of the things that Krishna is talking about is the sacrifice. We need the sacrifice, we need the sacrifice. And I've asked Hindus on that, have you found it in there? And the answer is no. So when you talk of grace and forgiveness, which of us doesn't need it? We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. And that's why I believe the cross to be the centerpiece. So Jesus describes my human condition. He provides for my malady and in the perfection of his life and the resurrection from the dead you see that coherence and correspondence that is not found anywhere else in any other worldview teaching. In fact, the questions we ask make Jesus' answers look even more persuasive and more compelling because those are the very things we look for. And if you take the simple passages of scripture from the John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, a handful of words, just a handful of words, the beginning is filial. We have a relationship. The reception is conditional, whosoever believes in him. The range is eternal, but behind it all, it's legal. There is a moral law at work. And that is provided for in the gospel story. So when you move to the contingency of our existence, the specified complexity of our existence, and the historic demonstration of the person and work of Christ, and you see the answers of Jesus, you take the question of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, apply the tests of truth. He's the only one who answers the questions with correspondence and coherence. I'm absolutely convinced of that as one who has studied world religions for most of my life now. But I'll also like Vince to put a footnote to that if you care to, hear. So I'll
2: just try to keep my answer brief. but Just share it with you uh, by way of saying a bit about my story. Um, I was first challenged to begin reading the Bible in college um, by some friends I had made on the soccer team I was, I was playing on. And when I began reading through, I would cross things out and add things. And um, I used to write a big BS in the margin Wherever I um, disagreed, um, not to denote good passages for Bible study, uh, unfortunately. Um, I continued readings and You know, I I got past the Gospels about Jesus's life, and I got into the book of Acts, and I started seeing all these words about um, persuading and convincing and debating and even proving, Um, and I realized that this is a faith that was intellectual. The followers of Jesus were were standing there and debating people from all different worldviews, and then I read that it said God provided confirmation for all by raising Jesus from the dead, and then I continued to read on, and I got to a book called First Corinthians written to the Corinthian church, And in the 15th chapter of that, come see me afterwards, if you don't have a Bible, would love to show you this passage. And there's a passage at the beginning of that chapter that gives a summary of all the people who have claimed to see Jesus and spend time with him after he was risen from the dead. The remarkable thing about this passage is it claims many people, it claims hundreds of people have seen him in different places at different times, friends and enemies. And the scholars today, not just Christian scholars, but scholars generally, they accept that that passage is an early creed that predates the book and goes back to very close to the events themselves meaning that there was no time for a sort of legendary development hypothesis that somebody might have thought was the case 100 years ago. I started reading this, and I started to ask the question, what can explain that? What can explain the fact that there appears to have been hundreds of people who were walking around very shortly after Jesus' death, and this is very unique to Christianity, that we can actually look into this historically And what explains the fact that there were all these people who were utterly convinced they had spent time with this man after his death, and they were even willing to give their lives for it, though they were being persecuted for the claim. And I got in touch with two of the top New Testament professors at Princeton, and I sat down with each of them individually and said, look, I'm doing this research into this. I wasn't at all convinced, but here's the data I'm coming up with. I don't know how to explain it. How do we get from what should have been the movement-ending death of Jesus on the cross to all of a sudden the absolute eruption of Christianity and all of these people walking around saying, I've spent time with this man after his death, and I'm willing to die for it. I can see how a miraculous resurrection would explain that. But if that doesn't, what else does, and one of them glanced without conviction towards a mass hallucination theory which is riddled with problems and doesn't have any degree of credibility in the literature. The other one told me that as a historian, he simply wasn't interested in the question, and I think the assumption was that as soon as we begin to start to talk about the miraculous, we're no longer talking about history, and I've never understood why he felt he could just make that assumption before actually having the conversation. So I would just say look into that, because you have a historical gap there. Jesus' death, his followers thought that he was this Messiah who was gonna become an earthly king and reign forever, and then he died. That should have been the end of the movement. And then you have this absolute eruption of Christianity. There's a historical gap there, no matter who you are. Christians bridge that gap with the resurrection. If you don't, that's okay, but what else can go in that gap? And I've found, and many have found through historical study, that the only plausible way of bridging that gap historically is to say that Jesus actually rose from the dead. So it's one of the things that I love about. Christianity. When I first began to look into the faith, I was worried that it would mean I would have to put my brain at the door. I would have to take a blind leap of faith. I knew that was something that I couldn't do. But what I've actually found is that this is a faith that you can dig into historically, philosophically, scientifically, morally, and it's one that provides rich answers. I hope that's helpful.
0: That's all the time we have for today, but you can order this message by calling us at 1-800-448-6766 and asking for the title Arizona State University Q&A with Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale. And if you're looking for more answers to questions about philosophy, culture, or other topics, be sure to head over to our website where you can find material to read, videos to watch, or podcasts to listen to based on the topics you're interested in. To hear more from Vince, be sure to check out the Ask Away podcast. We all have deep questions about meaning, morality, origin, and destiny, and how we answer those questions determine who we become and how we live. If you want to ask the RZIM team your questions about Christianity, or just know how to answer questions from others, be sure to check out this podcast. You can listen to episodes of Ask Away on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can email your questions to askaway at rzim.org or use the hashtag AskRZIM on Twitter. If you'd like to find out more about the ministry of RZIM, sign up for the RZIM Digest or find ways you can partner with us, be sure to call us at 1-800-448-6766. Or visit us online at rzim.org or rzim.ca for those listening in Canada. Your financial support and prayers allow us to encourage and equip Christians to share the gospel with gentleness and respect. We love hearing from you and we hope you'll share your comments, questions and prayer requests with us by emailing us at radio at rzim.org. Just Thinking is a listener-supported radio ministry and is furnished by RZIM in Atlanta, Georgia.